0: good morning and welcome to river city 360 views and news from around winnipeg my name is nolan bicknell with me as always is my co-host robert zirk
1: on today's show this week is the 100th anniversary of the battle of vimy ridge Kathleen Epp, senior archivist at the Archives of Manitoba, will tell us about a special one-day open house exhibit, displaying letters, photos, and diaries to commemorate the infamous battle.
0: We'll also speak with Carl Sire of The Stranger Connection to learn all about his project that seeks to build more empathy and understanding by sharing stories about people in our community from all walks of life. Then we'll sit down with
1: Harun Siddiqui, professor at Ryerson University and former editor at the Toronto Star, to speak about Islamophobia and what we can do to combat racism in our society.
0: We'll also speak with Janice Maudlin, a participant in the Winnipeg Foundation's Emerging Leaders Out Fellowship program, to learn more about her women and trans open shop project with The Wrench.
1: And Noah Ehrenberg, the convener of Community News Commons, will join us to discuss the latest stories written by citizen journalists over at CNC.
0: There's all these great conversations, some wonderful music, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360 good morning and welcome to river city 360 nolan and robert here with you this morning saturday saturday morning how are you feeling
1: uh feeling feeling pretty good it's saturday we love saturdays so it's good to be who doesn't
0: in this have very you, time Have slot. you ever met someone that was like, Saturdays, I hate Saturdays. I
1: wouldn't trust anyone who right. uh, who said that to me.
0: I would agree with that because it's just a delightful you know, the weekend's here, day off, you can get some things done, you can listen to River City 360. What, what more do you possibly need out of a day?
1: And you have an extra day as backup in the event that you right. can't do everything on Saturday.
0: We miss Sundays. Like, Sunday treated us well for a couple of years, That's but you true. know, Saturday, she's the new girl in town and uh, we Lover,
1: Saturday is an excellent day.
0: We've got a wonderful show today on Saturday. Uh, Kathleen Epp, Senior Archivist at the Archives of Manitoba is going to be joining us via telephone in about five minutes to tell us about Vimy Ridge. Um, it's the 100th anniversary of the famous battle over in France where uh, I think it was the first time Canada's battalions all fought together or something. I was doing some inter- some, uh, some uh, homework on it just to prepare myself since I'm not the greatest at history, uh, as my teachers in high school will tell you. And uh, it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Can't wait to hear from Kathleen about that. She's going to be actually reading one of the letters that's going to be on display at an open house that's happening this coming Wednesday, April 12th, at the Archives of Manitoba. So stay tuned for that conversation. Uh, before we get to that, we're going to play you a quick song, as we always do. Here's Peter Appleyard with Yellow Bird right here on River City 360. Thank mm-hmm. you. To River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and we are now joined via telephone by Kathleen Epp. She is a senior archivist at the Archives of Manitoba. Kathleen, thank you for joining us today.
2: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: So we wanted to talk. Uh, this week is the hundredth anniversary of the Battle at Vimy Ridge. Now, I was doing a little bit of homework before uh, before giving you a call here. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, this happened um, April 9th to 12th from two, in 1917. There were over a thou- ten thousand casualties, four thousand deaths. Canadians stormed a ridge held by German soldiers, and it's uh, one of the most um, monumental, for sure, battles in Canadian military history. Is that yeah?
2: That's right. Pretty
0: much right. So um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> So we wanted to have you on the on the show because there's an exhibit and an open house happening at the uh, Provincial Archives uh, coming up this week. But before we get into that, maybe t- talk a little bit about your history and how you became a senior archivist and, and what, what that means exactly.
2: Uh, well, I guess I just had a real interest in history and wanted to know sort of what I could do with that interest and, and got into the archival studies program at the University of Manitoba and became an archivist here at the Provincial Archives.
0: Cool. So Vimy Ridge is, is a very well-known battle, but what what's, what exactly makes that particular battle um, important to Canadians?
2: Well, it was the first time that uh, all the Canadian divisions fought together, and it, became, it was a victory for Canada, but it also became... More than that, it became a symbol for Canada and for, you know, our growing nationhood as a, as a young country and distinguishing ourselves from, from the British, I guess, mm-hmm. in a way.
0: Cool. Now, what, 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 what exactly is going to be happening at this open house that you guys are hap- having uh-huh. at the Archives of Manitoba coming uh, this Wednesday?
2: Right. Well, we wanted to uh, offer a way for people to commemorate the 100th anniversary, and we thought um, we have so many records of soldiers and of that time, and we thought it was a really good way for people to be able to participate in that commemoration. So we have the letters of several soldiers uh, that were written throughout the war, but we've got the letters on display that will uh, show what they wrote during and after Vimy. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've got some diaries and those give a lot of detail. Often the letters were censored and and soldiers knew that they couldn't write too many specifics in those letters but in the diaries they wrote uh, a lot more detail. So we've got some excellent things there. We've got some trench maps that were carried into the trenches with soldiers um, and showing incredible detail there. We've got photographs. We've got a film from 1969 showing some veterans uh, sort of retelling stories from the war. Uh, So that's really neat as well.
0: Wow. So when you say censored, do you mean they they were sort of censoring themselves and not trying to give away too many sort of military secrets or, or was the military telling them not to?
2: Oh yeah, the military had some very strict instructions on what they could write and the military had censors for sure so that certain information wasn't being sent home. So that's why you'll see on a lot of the letters it'll just say France or it'll say somewhere in France, somewhere in Belgium because they can't say exactly where they were.
0: That makes sense. Mm
2: -hmm. Now
0: there were essentially kids fighting these wars some as young as 16 17 years old I would imagine some of these diaries and letters are very emotional but are they well written are they able to be understood by today's standards or how how does is it is it kind of easy to understand
2: For sure. I think the the greatest challenge for a lot of people is the handwriting. Uh, Some of them are better than others, for sure. But you can imagine a bunch of 18 and 19-year-old guys might not have the best Uh penmanship. And we're not all used to reading writing anymore as well. So we've actually created transcripts so that people can sit and read those transcripts and take some time with them. So so that'll be good, too. Sorry, what was the rest of your
0: question? No, yeah, I was just under uh, asking if it was sort of easy to understand and if they right. spoke in the same sort of uh, the the language that we use today.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think the the letters are easy to understand and especially when you read multiple ones, you sort of get a feel for how they're writing mm-hmm. and 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 what they're communicating but it's it's not complicated in a way like they're just regular guys and right. so i think it is actually really easy to get into reading the letters
0: now speaking of the letters i understand that you i well i asked you hopefully that you could bring <laughs> bring us uh, something that uh, just an example of some some of the types of correspondence that we might find at the uh, open house on on wednesday
2: Right. So the one I have with me to share with you is actually written by a sister of a soldier that was killed at Vimy uh, to another sister. She had a, uh, So the soldier's name was George Battershill. He lived in East Kildonan, and he was wounded on the first day of battle. And we have his letters um, for a whole year, actually, wow. and, and they're on our website. We've been blogging about them for the last year. We're, we just posted his last letters this week. Um, but this letter is from his sister Carrie to his other sister, Mill, who lived in Georgia at the time. And uh, I think it's just a a great, uh, it's a beautiful letter, but it's also a good reminder that this isn't a men's history, it's it's everyone's history. And even though it was men who were fighting, it was women who were participating in a lot of other ways, and it was families, right? Families, doesn't matter, men, women, everybody was affected. Mothers, daughters, sisters, everyone. Absolutely. And and a good reminder, too, that these letters were being read, right? They were being received. They're mm-hmm. not just being written. They were being received. They were being cried over, fretted yeah. over, and then they were being saved and, in some cases, donated to the archives. Very cool. So, if you'd like, I can read this letter. Yes, by um, all means. So it was written on April 25th, 1917. Uh, George died on the 17th, uh, although the letter says the 18th. They had some misinformation at first, which is understandable, uh, and they just got word on the 22nd, so I'll read it. Dear Mill, just a very few lines to let you know about George. We got the message Sunday about 12.30, and we were all just heartbroken. We knew he was in the battle at Vimy Ridge, but was hoping he had come out all right, and this message was a terrible shock. The poor kid died of wounds on April 18th at the hospital in Boulogne. He must have been on the way to England. The message said a gunshot wound in the thigh. Mother is feeling terrible and was pretty bad for a couple of days, but to me the look on her face now is worse than seeing her cry. In fact, I think none of us can cry anymore. I only wish you had been here with us because I know you would feel so bad down there by yourselves. Come home as soon as ever you can, as Mother has said two or three times that she wished you would. It was a double shock to me as I had word Saturday that Harry's brother had been killed. It just seems as though it can't be true. We cabled Harry and Charlie to get particulars, if possible, and also wired Ottawa to get more particulars from the hospital. Hope you are coming home soon. Lots of love to you all. Carrie.
0: Wow. Just one of I would assume thousands, if not ten thousands of of stories from these fight from these battles and Vimy Ridge in particular. that's right, that's incredible. that's right. what has yeah. been, what has been some of the response that you've seen or that you've had yourself when you're sort of going through these correspondence and reliving these experiences?
2: Well, I think it's just a good reminder that um, history comes down to this very individual level Mm -hmm. and that it's so much easier to appreciate history when you see and read things like this. I think it's um, easy to get lost in the numbers and, you know, reports of war where, you know, thousands are killed are horrible, but it's hard to grasp. And I think when we think about family by family and individual by individual, uh, it has a real impact
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's very well said. So for our, our listeners out there who would like to perhaps read more of these correspondence, mm-hmm. what, what are the exact details of when this is going to be happening, the uh, open house at the archives?
2: Right. So it's happening on Wednesday, April 12th. Uh, we'll have our research room transformed to have these things on display, and that'll be from 1 to 4 in the afternoon and from 6 to 9 in the evening.
0: Perfect. So that's two hundred Vaughan Street. For those that's that right. haven't, or if you want to just Google it, I'm sure that that'll work as well. <laughs> Wednesday, April twelfth, the open house at the Provincial Archives. Kathleen Epp is a senior archivist for the Provincial Archives. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that story with us today. Uh, have uh, have a great experience on Wednesday, and uh, we really appreciate your time.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you.
1: Thanks very much, Nolan. Coming up on River City 360, we'll speak to a Winnipegger who, one year ago, set out to meet and connect with total strangers. Now, he's shared the stories of 40 strangers that he's met through his web and social media project, The Stranger Connection. We'll learn all about The Stranger Connection after this quick musical break, but first, here's Margaret Whiting with Oh But I Do, right here on River City 360.
3: Show that I do. You think I don't get blue? Oh, but I do. Though I get light.
1: Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning, and we are now joined by a very special guest, Carl Sire. He is with the Stranger Connection Winnipeg. Carl, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. So first of all, what is the Stranger Connection? Maybe some of our listeners might have come across it on their Facebook timelines, but tell us a little bit about this project.
4: So the Stranger Connection uh, Winnipeg is essentially where I approach strangers. and Well, I guess I should say that when I first started out, I I would approach strangers and ask if they had time to talk right then. And as much as I enjoyed that, because it was very spontaneous, most people only had 10 or 20 minutes. And what I found was that I really wanted to know more about people. I wanted to get to know them much better and learn about their life and write their story and that the 10 or 20 minutes just wasn't enough. So I changed it a little bit is that I would approach strangers and ask if they could meet me at another time. And so essentially that's what happens. I approach people. I I have a little piece of paper with my name and number on it and I ask, I I explain what I do and I say, give me a call if you ever have time to meet over a glass of wine or a coffee or even a, a meal and we get together and talk.
1: So why were you inspired to start meeting people and documenting these stories?
4: A number of reasons. Um, It's been talked about before. The McLean's article uh, talking about racism was certainly one of the initial things that sort of got my wheels turning, so to speak. I remember that article coming out and it was um, somewhat polarizing. and A lot of people were saying, well, there is a lot of racism. And there was a lot of people saying there isn't racism in our city or it's not that bad. Right. And I would watch, especially on social media, I would watch some of the debate going on. And what I noticed was um, it was really unsettling for me because I didn't have the opportunity to really have a say in that because I didn't have any Indigenous people in my life, Uh, none in my social circles. I think they say there's something like 12 percent of our city population that's Indigenous. And I thought it was probably wrong that I didn't have any friends that were from that community. So uh, originally my concept was I was going to just go out and start meeting people from that community I wasn't planning on writing anything or anything like that just wanted to get to know people and I figured the best way was just to approach people and ask if I could buy them coffee and then it kind of just morphed from there Uh, another reason was uh, I was becoming more and more cynical of social media I think social media is is good but it's also something where I don't think we're connecting enough with people we're sort of portraying ourselves we're branding ourselves (laughs) and I think as humans, we need to have social interaction and we're using social media a lot as a substitute for that. So, yeah, so I decided to actually go out and approach strangers and that I wanted to document it on social media.
1: And so what are some of the things that you discuss when you meet these strangers?
4: You know, it it goes a million different ways. It's amazing how conversation just seems to flow. I can't think of many times where, you know, an hour and a half or two or three or three and a half hours, uh, some of those conversations go and they just, tend to go off in a different direction you know obviously the pretenses. I want to know about their life a lot of people just sort of start off you know chronologically I was born here and da, 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 and some we just go off on a tangent and we talk very little about their life but inevitably it always gets back to their life in some capacity but just maybe not the the details of where they were born or where they went to school and things like that so yeah it's mostly just learning about who they are and what they're all about.
1: And it's been over a year since you started the Stranger Connection on Facebook. Have you kept in touch with any of the people that you've met?
4: Yeah, tons. So one of the things that's really cool that's happening now, so a lot of times the strangers I talk to, they're on Facebook and they'll share the stories. And what I've noticed now is that, you know how uh, Facebook does memories? Because I've been doing it about a year now, some of my strangers, uh, it'll show up in their timeline as a, do you want to share a memory? And so a few of them, when that happens, they actually reach have reached out to me and said, "Hey, let's get together. It's been too long." And yeah, no, I I do try and keep in touch. I'm going uh, out for dinner with one of my strangers tonight for Filipino food. Yay! (laughs) But I also find that uh, I guess when I thought about this at the beginning, I thought "Ah, I was going to become best friends with everyone, and it just doesn't work out like that. You you only have a limited amount of time and but i'd like to believe there's probably only i think two or three strangers that i don't keep in touch with in some capacity
1: we are speaking with carl sire of the stranger connection and we're just going to take a quick musical break and we'll be back with more you're listening to river city 360. That was the Sal-Soul Orchestra with Tangerine right here on River City 360 and now we're back with our interview with Carl Sire of The Stranger Connection. As you mentioned social media can be such a powerful tool and often people use it as sort of a distraction and it's almost as though if other people in their lives aren't posting those relationships can fall off the radar but it's interesting that you've managed to find a way to use it to not only create new friendships with people, but also as a real tangible way to keep those relationships going.
4: Yeah, yeah, I have. And one of the most interesting things I've found about social media is I guess I'm surprised at, I don't don't know what the right word to use is, but no, I don't mind saying it. Um, The the Facebook page itself got very popular very quickly. And there's a lot of people that sort of follow it very passionately at first, I got hundreds of messages a week from people, and I, but I still get maybe 50 or 60 messages a week from people and just saying how much they like it. And I'd like to think that it's possibly because it's, it's a little bit different than the rest of social media where people are just projecting a brand of themselves. And I'm trying to portray as an accurate uh, story of the people I'm talking with as possible. And it seems to really resonate with people because it's a little bit different than a lot of what's on social media.
5: What
1: would you say are a couple of the stories behind some of the people that you've met that stand out to you personally?
4: That's tough because they're all so unique. I love almost all of the people I, I've met. The, the thing that's really blown me away, and I, I'm, I'm probably not answering your question properly, but the thing that's really blown me away is how vulnerable people make themselves when they're talking. And I, I've tried to understand why. Like it, there's most of the people I've talked to have, have, have shared very intimate details of their life. Their pains, their joys, so many people have broken down crying when we've talked. And I think to a certain extent, I've thought about that and why that's happening. I think a lot of times people feel very comfortable talking with a stranger. I think when we talk to people that we already know and we want to share our life, we think, oh, they already have sort of preconceived biases of who we are. And, and when I talk to a stranger, they can really, you know, I'm just meeting these people and they're telling me their entire life story. They're crying. They're, you know, it's a really nice thing. So they're all very unique. You know, I remember the second stranger that I talked to was a guy named Marlon. He was a chicken farmer from St. Anne, Manitoba, an older guy. And he actually, you know, he was very stoic and he was very unsure as we were talking. And, and as we got into talking, he's sharing his life, some of his trips, his family, his wife. He explained to me that he was in the city because because his wife was going for tests because she's been diagnosed with cancer and back then I didn't record the conversations I wrote them down so I was actually writing and as he was talking about how much he loves his wife and I looked up and the guy's bawling in tears and this is like a you know an older very conservative man and and that one certainly stands out because that was the first time it struck me that yeah I think what I'm doing I really enjoy but yeah I've, I've talked to so many people people with cancer people that have been in abusive relationships and people that are just genuinely really happy people that are very fulfilled with life and and very joyous, and they're all great in their own way.
1: What does it mean to you personally to do this, and and what is sort of your goal in sharing these stories with a wider audience?
4: So it's really opened my eyes. I've really tried to become aware of my surroundings. You know, it's a popular meme, you know, present moment awareness. You always want to have present moment awareness, but I think If you're really focused on that, then the people that are passing by in your life, the strangers, the the people, the person that's waiting ahead of you for coffee, you know, that's not just, you're not looking at your phone, you're actually observing them and and, uh, with the possibility that, hey, maybe they'll talk to me because I always sort of size people up before I approach them. It was more for me when I started, and it still very much is, but I would like to actually sort of help or maybe contribute, I don't I don't know what the right word is, contribute to a community where we're really open-minded and we're open to all different people because we all have stories, right? I'd love to see everybody from, and I don't want to brand South Winnipeg or from the suburbs, you know, really make an effort to get to know communities in the North End because they're, they're actually not different from... People in the suburbs, you know, uh, they all have the same emotions, the same things make them happy, the same things uh, cause them pain. And so that would be really, that that was, I guess, the main goal, to be honest with you, was just to get people, uh, maybe open their eyes to people from different communities.
1: Because after all, even though it is, you know, Winnipeg is fairly large city, but it's also a small city in many respects. As you mentioned, we're not all that different, you know, whether you're living in the Maples or South St. Vital, everyone does kind of have a lot in common. It's good for people to get out of their own communities and visit other communities as well. It really is.
4: Um, so one of my strangers uh, was a guy named Michael, and, and he invited me to, so I, I grew up uh, very privileged in South Winnipeg. And um, I I talked to uh, one of my strangers, Michael, and he helps organize something called Meet Me at the Bell Tower. And I'd never heard of that. And I've been going there, but I didn't spend a ton of time in the North End. And it really opened my eyes to, wow, there's a great community there. And, you know, I don't know how many people living in, in South Winnipeg in the suburbs actually know what a great and vibrant area. It, let's face it, the North End can have a, a bad reputation, but it's not. It's they, These people come together and it's so beautiful. It really is really beautiful. I don't know if you've been or not, but... They get together and they celebrate uh, their culture. They celebrate the North End, and it's just a wonderful thing to see. and And I feel really lucky because I don't think that would, I would have experienced that had I not started this project.
1: I haven't been, but that would be Michael Champagne, right? Right. Who, so uh, my,
4: Michael was one of my strangers. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, because yeah. he's been a guest on the show before. Okay. And I understand he's been also organizing. Uh, meet me at the Bell Tower in the South End as well. Okay, I didn't even know about and, that. <laughs> uh, and so it's kind of interesting. It's a way to bring communities together yep. that you know may not normally have that chance to come together. So it's, uh, it's a great way to bridge that. Yeah. If people are interested in learning more about the stories on the Stranger Connection, where can they go to read the stories and learn more about the project?
4: Sure. Uh, so I have a Facebook page. It's called uh, the Stranger Connection Winnipeg. On Facebook, uh, you can go onto that. You can like the page. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the best place. Perfect. Carl, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Robert. And as Carl mentioned, you can find The Stranger Connection on Facebook by searching for The Stranger Connection Winnipeg. Coming up after the break, we're going to speak with Haroon Siddiqui, a professor at Ryerson University and former editor at the Toronto Star. He spoke about Islamophobia at the At the Heart of Human Rights is Human Dignity conference a couple weeks ago. But before we get to that, here's Sasha Distel with I Can't Give You Anything But Love right here on River City 360. Mm-hmm.
6: can't give you anything but love, baby, that's the only thing I've plenty of, baby, dream a while, scheme a while, we should find happiness. And I guess all those things you've always pined for, mm, I'd like to see you looking swell, baby. Diamond bracelets, Woolworth doesn't sell, baby. Till that lucky day. You know darn well, baby, I can't give you anything but love. Diamond bracelets, Woolworth doesn't sell, baby Till that lucky day, you know done well, baby I can't give you anything but love
7: Sidikhi, I'm from the Toronto Star, former columnist, editorial page editor, and now I'm a distinguished professor at Ryerson University in Toronto.
1: You were here at the at the Heart of Human Rights is Human Dignity conference speaking on the topic of Islamophobia. What were some of the key takeaways that you were hoping that people would get from your session?
7: No, I think the first point I made was, uh, and I've been making for some time now, is that we in Canada, uh, we are so plugged into the United States that we are obsessed with Donald Trump, and perhaps rightly so. And we look at Europe and Marine Le Pen in France and Reid Wilders in Holland. But we sometimes, uh, either out of our modesty or a state of denial, we don't look at what's happening in Canada itself. And the point to be made really is that Mr. Harper uh, in Canada at the federal level nationally and Pauline Marois in Quebec introduced Trumpism into Canada long before Trump introduced it into the United States. And some of the policies being suggested by Marine Le Pen and Rit Wilders and other Islamophobes in varying degrees have been implemented in this country uh, already.
1: What can Canadians do to combat these racist ideas and to ensure that these policies that take away the civil rights of people don't get adopted here?
7: No, the first thing to be said really is that we have to acknowledge and uh, understand that we need to get out of this state of denial that we are in, that we think we are good guys, which we are in. Of course, it goes without saying Canada is not the United States, Canada is not Europe. But nonetheless, we need to get out of this denial that things, bad things don't happen here. We, they, our history teaches us that. And in fact, our contemporary Canada teaches us that. So, And what Bernie and I were saying, both in different ways, and we had not talked to each other before the speech, is that anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, all these kinds of racism and xenophobia, they all go hand in hand together. They are all cousins of each other. And it's silly to think that anti-Semitism affects only Jews and Islamophobia affects Muslims. It affects all of us, not just in the abstract, but they go hand in hand. The same people who are anti-Semites are also Islamophobes. We have now polls that show exactly the same thing, that if you ask them, do you fear Muslims, you know, 65% or whatever say yes, and then right underneath they say, who do you fear most next is Jews, you know are muslims taking over the country yes you know who is number two orthodox jews are taking over so they these two things go hand in hand and it's not an accident that all of this is happening in tandem with xenophobia and racism across europe and here all of it you know i mean we understand why it is happening and professor terry here spoke yesterday saying the economic blight of north america because of because of globalization and deindustrialization, has left many people jobless, and there are many, many victims, and they are lashing out. And they always look for scapegoats. Uh, and the scapegoats yesterday were Jews, today it's Muslims, tomorrow it would be somebody else. So that is the first thing we need to understand. And the second thing really is to hold those people who introduce such policies in Canada. Uh, hold them responsible. I mean, don't let them off the hook. Mr. Harper may be gone, but Mr. Kenney is now the leader of the Conservatives in Alberta. Kelly Leach wants to be the national leader. Kevin O'Leary wants to be the national leader of the Conservatives. He is a great fan of Mr. Trump. So we we need to hold these people's feet to the fire. People
1: have to speak up and not remain complacent or detached is another good way of putting it. Because when civil rights and human rights are taken away from certain groups of people, it affects everybody. And in a lot of cases, there are people who don't understand that it's not just about different groups of people, but it's about everyone.
7: Yeah. You see, one of the great things that we have to learn as a society is the following. We look back and we learn from our history. So we apologize for what we did to the Aboriginal peoples in residential schools. We apologize to the Sikh community, for example, for Komagata Maru in 1914. We apologize to the Chinese community for head tax. We apologize to the Japanese Canadians. But you know, the real test of a society is that they recognize shortcomings and racism in their own time it will not help us it will not help you and me and our current uh, contemporary canada if 20 years from now we said god almighty that was a bad period and islamophobia was sweeping the country and we did nothing you know so the sign of a maturity of a society of a democratic small and liberal society is that we recognize our shortcomings and recognize xenophobia recognize racism and bigotry and prejudice in its own time and do something about it.
0: Thanks Robert and thank you to Haroon Siddiqui. Coming after the Colonel Coming up after the break, we're going to learn about a series of workshops that's making bike building and repairing more accessible to women and trans people. But first, here's Sammy Davis Jr. with Someone Nice Like You, right here on River City 360.
8: And if we could live twice, I'd make life paradise for someone really nice like you. Why did someone nice like you Evie, have to love someone like me, when I think of all the men you could have loved, the men you should have loved, who would have loved you, you're worth so much more than me. Evie, believe You know it's true And if we could live twice I'd make life paradise For someone really nice Like you The girls I could have loved The girls I should have loved Who would have loved me? Believe you me, You know that's true And if I could live twice I'd make life paradise for someone really nice like you but who wants freud's advice i know it works with mice but not with someone nice like you i've asked you once or twice come on it's paradise i want to be with someone nice like you nice like you
1: welcome back to river city 360 robert and nolan here with you this morning and we are now joined by janice maudlin she is participating in the winnipeg foundation's emerging leaders fellowship and she's working with the wrench on a women and trans open shop janice thank you so much for joining us today Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about the project. What is the Women in Trans Open Shop, and what does that project entail?
9: The Wrench already runs an open shop every Thursday from noon to 6 p.m., which is a chance for anyone to come in and learn to fix their bike or to build a bike for themselves. And so... This project is to expand that to a specific program like that for women, trans, and femme-identified people to encourage these populations to feel more comfortable in a shop that is often male-dominated and feels not very welcoming. So, how did
1: you come up with the idea for the project?
9: Programs like this run in a lot of community bicycle shops, including there's already one at the bicycle d- at the bike dump and at the University of Winnipeg Bike Lab. So this has been something that people at The Wrench have been thinking about and hoping to start for a while. And as a frequent volunteer at The Wrench, this has been something that I've been hoping I'd have an opportunity to work on for quite a while. You've been
1: volunteering with The Wrench prior to coming up with this project.
9: Yeah, I've been volunteering and occasionally working contracts with The Wrench since it started in 2012, I think. Okay. Yeah.
1: What are some of the barriers that women and trans people face in that area? Or what do you think are some of the reasons why women and trans people are underrepresented?
9: I think this is like a very long tradition going back a long way that women are not suited for mechanical work and it perpetuates itself because then men in these shops don't see women as capable, which results in women feeling disrespected or marginalized and not given respect, or often men make assumptions that women don't have the skills or the confidence to be doing things, and what happens then is that men will like take work from women. Instead of teaching them how to do it, they'll like take the tools from them and fix things for them instead, which just results in women and trans people continuing to not actually be, have the opportunity to learn the skills and gain the confidence to be a part of the shop.
1: What are some of the particular topics that are covered at the workshops?
9: Lots of different things. We'll be having workshops that are just about bicycle repair, as well as workshops about being a woman or a trans person in various male-dominated fields, including mechanical ones like bike shops, as well as hopefully workshops geared towards integrating women and trans people more into... Other programs that are happening at The Wrench, for example, we have build days on Fridays where people can sometimes come in and make money building bikes. So hopefully I'll facilitate some workshops training women and trans people at our open shop on Sunday to gain the skills and confidence to participate in those days that are currently almost exclusively men.
1: If people want to learn more about these workshops or attend the workshops, where can they go to get more information?
9: We have a Facebook page, which is just Melo Velo, spelled M-E-L-L-O-W-V-E-L-O, as well as there should be information on the Wrench website, which is at therench.ca.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much, Janice, for speaking with me today. Great. Thanks a
5: lot.
0: Good morning and welcome back to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning and we're now joined in studio as we are almost every week by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of community news comments. Noah, thank you for joining
10: us. It's great to be here.
0: I understand you're, uh, fight, you're a little under the weather. Your voice is a little different, a little deeper. Well, I feel
10: great, but oh, there's you feel? just a little bit of a frog oh, in Oh, I see. So okay. Well, it's you a sound, change in
0: weather. You sound a little more sultry than normal. <laughs> yeah. You can sing a little Barry White <laughs> yeah. for us later. If a little you more want. baritone. I Beautiful. Well, <laughs> We're not going to keep you long, then. We won't strain your voice for as long as possible. But uh, we want to talk and tell our listeners about what is happening in Winnipeg. And usually that's through the lens of the citizen journalists who write for Community News Commons. So what are some of the stories that are being published this week?
10: Well, uh, one of my favorites is actually uh, by Greg Petzold, who is a longtime photographer and uh, uh, writer for Community News Commons. And Greg writes about uh, Creatory which is a, uh, it's been a mainstay in the local art community for, oh, just about 10 years now, and um, they're in the Exchange District, and last night at uh, First Fridays, they uh, kicked off a fundraiser, which is basically, um, it was a giant silent auction that uh, will go all this week until Thursday, and, uh, you know, Creative is one of those places where, you um, you know, artists go there in order to. It's a very well-used venue
7: mm-hmm.
10: uh, in the exchange, and um, there's lots of events there, lots of exhibitions, um, and more than a hundred artists have come together uh, to donate uh, 50 to 100 percent of the sale price of their works to um the creatory. Wow. So the exhibition when you buy a piece and you uh, bid on it in the silent auction, you know that most of it if not all of it is going to support creatory because their rent is going up. Uh they're over there on uh 125 Adelaide Street is uh where their home is. And um in order to make the space uh, accessible and uh, affordable for local artists, they're having this fundraiser and um, they're asking people to um Basically, bid on these pieces that artists have so kindly donated wow. uh, to the effort. So cool. there's some amazing pieces by artists such as uh, uh, Robert Sim, Kathleen Crosby, Keith Wood, Jordan Van Soel. Uh Really, the list is uh, it's a long list. And the uh, silent auction is open uh, 12 noon to 5 p.m. on um, Tuesday to Thursday, and then it wraps up Thursday evening, April the 13th. The bidding closes. Uh, during their uh, final celebration which runs from 7pm to 11pm but bids close at 945 that night cool. so I'd get down to Creatory if you want to uh, check out some amazing local art and a really really great uh, silent auction to benefit uh, Creatory
0: I would imagine with that many artists you're going to find something that's to your taste you know with, with oh, yeah. dozens upon dozens of artists and there's a lot of talent in this in this city when it comes to art so yeah, and and I'm Greg Bing Being such
10: a great photographer he's got some oh, great yeah. photographs of the art that's being offered
0: very cool so uh, I understand I also understand that not only are um, citizen journalists writing stories, but there's also some students that are writing stories for CNC as well. Tell me about that.
10: Yeah. You know, every year um, the Winnipeg foundation has a, Program called Youth and Philanthropy, and every year, students um, in the at their schools have um, a uh, Youth and Philanthropy committee, and they decide uh, to basically go out and explore some of the different organizations, charitable organizations in their uh, neighborhoods that um, they uh, decide uh, to try and raise money for and um, and give grants to, and so. Uh, what the Youth and Philanthropy students do is that they write about their experiences and they publish them on Community News Commons.
0: So students are how, these are like grade 12, 11?
10: Yeah, this would yeah. be high school, okay, so grade cool. 10, 11, 12. And um, they go on to learn about uh, the importance of philanthropy, the importance of the different organizations in their city. So it's a really uh, amazing program. And it's one of those things where uh, when people write about it, when the students write about it, you can really tell from their articles just th- how huge an impact uh, youth and Philanthropy has on them personally and on their school community. And I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a terrific article called Street Shop Project Seeks Reconciliation by Mariana Pazdika. And uh, Mariana writes about um, th- uh, a, 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 a bazaar that Miles McDonald Collegiate is putting together. Basically, it's, a, it's an entire day that uh, provides for the less fortunate in Winnipeg's West End and North End. And um, they have uh, essentially uh, a large bazaar where they give away uh, hygiene products, clothing, toys, books, uh, a full meal, musical entertainment, and other uh, activities that are really suitable for the whole family. Mm-hmm. And um, they're planning this now, Miles Mack is, and uh, they write about it in communitynewscommons.org. Uh, the project is going to be taking place on April the 22nd, so it's coming up, and um, there's going to be plenty of activities and plenty of um of things to do but it's really not just a a, you know a a way to give away things for free Uh, what they're doing is they're trying to sort of find a common ground um, to come together with with people in their neighborhood who may they may not necessarily know or or associate with so um, so it's why they aim not only to give away the products uh, in sort of a one-sided exchange but Mm -hmm. also to create uh, within that bazaar a safe place for interaction entertainment enjoyment of all things cool. that uh, bring you know the community closer together so youth and philanthropy check out there's a series of articles there's about Uh, At this point, about uh, five or six, there's going to be more on communitynewscommons.org in the days ahead. And you can check out some of the interesting things that these youth are discovering about charitable organizations in their community.
0: I would imagine at that age, being able to um, have those experiences is going to be something that they're going to remember forever. So it's cool that they're also uh, chronicling it on on CNC. So lots of good stories, lots of great events in Winnipeg. Check CNC pretty much daily and you'll Mm -hmm. find something new and interesting to experience here in the peg. Absolutely. no, at the end of our time together, I've asked you to bring us a song that maybe we haven't heard before. So what have you got for us this week?
10: Well, this week I, I'd like to feature a uh, Manitoba artist uh, by the name of Amber Epp. Uh, I think some people have heard of Amber Epp, of course. Uh, she's been around for a while, and um, she is a terrific singer. And, and you know, she had a, a childhood where, you know, she sang a lot. Uh, She played the piano and, of course, um, she grew up uh, to become uh, a terrific singer, terrific musician. Um, Her shows are adventuresome, uh, lots of discovery, lots of joy. She even has a Western Canada Music Award, Western Canadian Music Award for one of her four CDs. She really is a a connoisseur of musical genres. Um, You can uh, be transported by uh, no matter what language, no matter what country, She really um, is a terrific all round singer songwriter, and uh, she will be playing. uh, This will be a great concert to go to. It's part of the new sound series over at the Park Theatre coming up on Sunday, April 23rd at 8 p.m. Uh, Amber Epp will be doing uh, some solo. Uh, Trio, Bembe, Trio Bembe will also be there and uh, Papa Mambo. Uh, mm-hmm. And $15 in advance for those tickets. It's a, it's a terrific show, and I think you will be really, if you haven't seen Amber Epp live, I think you'll be really pleased to, uh, to go to that show. So today I'd like to feature uh, a title track from, from her album called Inside Outside. And so you're listening to Amber Epp right here on River City 360 with Robert Zirkin, Nolan Bicknell, on 93.7 CJNU.
3: Do you ever feel empty inside? Like something's lost, something has died. Looking for the next thing, the best thing to fill you. That's not gonna do. to love you from the
0: inside that's a wrap on this week's episode of river city 360 thank you so much for listening and a huge thank you to all of our guests for joining us in studio and via telephone
1: if you'd like to hear more views and news from around winnipeg listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast you can do all of that online visit us at rivercity360.org again that's
0: rivercity360.org River City 360 Views and News from Around Winnipeg is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM.
1: And we'd love to hear your feedback. Please give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474 extension 360, or you can email us at rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. You can leave us a comment about the show, request a song or suggest a topic for a future show. We would love to hear your feedback. Again, the number is 204-944-9474 extension 360, Or you can email us at RiverCity360 at WPGFDN.org.
0: You can search us on Twitter and Facebook as well by searching at RiverCity360 on Facebook and RiverCity360 on Twitter as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for RiverCity360.
1: And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Have a great weekend.